0: Uh, It is good to be here. My name is Andy Maddock. I'm lead pastor of the United Methodist Church here in Valencia, and we are in a series on gratitude, gratitude for our people last week, our past today, our present next week, and our future on November 6th. And I just want to paint a little picture for those of you in the room or those of you who just see me online. And that's uh, for the last 12 days until Friday afternoon, this place was under some renovation and correction. We had to do some work up at the beams uh, that involved removing some drywall. And so if you had come at any other point prior to, well, yesterday when we were finally ready to rock and roll in here, you'd have found all of these pews removed, the bolts taken up from the floor and moved out of the way. Everything was draped with plastic drape to keep dust off. Our soundboard, our organ, our piano, all of this was, of course, over in the hall where we worshiped on last Sunday, and they had a scissor lift in here so that they could work way up on the high beams in this glorious sanctuary, and if you're a trustee, don't worry. They didn't let me play on it. I asked, but they wouldn't let me drive it, but now is a chance for us to be back in here and to be together again all over again. And so in the same way that last Sunday we leaned into the weekend of 25 years ago when we were last in the hall, I wanted to call to mind this morning, the first Sunday, this church was in this space. It happened on December 20th, 1998. That's the Reverend Peter Falbo standing about there in the sanctuary um, waiting for worship to get started that morning. Now, you'll notice by the date that that's the fourth Sunday in Advent that this church was able to open up. They were able to do Christmas Eve in here some 24 years ago, and it was an opportunity for them to be the people of God gathered this place, decorated for Christmas, and to celebrate the song of Mary and who they were going to be as a people. It was a time of new beginnings and of change. In fact, here's what they looked like back then. This magnificent picture, you might say, well, gosh, that's a little out of focus and the light balances off, Pastor Andy. I have to tell you, Sherry Claus brought me probably 80 pictures from that week between then and then in January when they had the consecration service for this place. And this one's my favorite. And it's not because the pews are so full. It's because it reminds me of what Rebecca sang in her verse in Keep My Eyes Up. Repaying attention, she sang Your Eyes full of fire. Your face like the sun. Your robe fills the temple. The light of the experience of that people and indeed God's blessings upon those people in this place just seems to fill that picture and it fills my hearts and I'm excited by it. But not only was it a time of newness, it was automatically a time of change. The thing about the bulletin for that morning is that it announced that that was the last Sunday that they were going to have three services of worship on a Sunday morning. Some of you might be around long enough to remember when they had three services of worship where you could come really early in the morning and get to brunch and start your day. But they were going to switch down to the model that we've inherited at this point in our history of 9 and 1030 that following week, the Sunday after Christmas. Newness and change went hand in hand, even the first time they were in this place. You want to know what I love about the people in this picture? is that for all their dreams and hopes and expectations for what this church might be 25 years from now, for them, we live into today. I almost just got up and sent y'all home after Don's comments in the (laughs) announcements this morning. That sense of vitality and vibrancy for the work of the people of God. That was a morning that celebrated a sense of connection. And in the month that followed, when they did the consecration on the 24th of January in 1999, I just love these cakes. Nobody at the first service knew who designed them. That word didn't get to me. So if you know, come see me after. I'd love to know. I just think they're amazing. One says, believing with a dedication service in 1975 and their consecration service of the new worship center in 1999. They were supported by the Reverend Stan Fix. They were supported by their district superintendent, Dave Richardson, and a member of the ecumenical faith community as Pete celebrated and no doubt enjoyed cake on that morning. But we are living into a future that they longed for, and that they launched that day with a spirit of gratitude and hope and expectation that we might be, from their past, a people of God's present. And in the same way last week, I started with the prayer that Pete used in worship. I'd like to do the same this morning. Prayers of the people were called Prayer to Focus Our Hearts and Our Minds. Now, it hands off to the story of Gabriel's proclamation to Mary and then her Magnificat. But today we'll use it in a different way. So let's pray. Lord, lift up our souls above the wearying round of harassing and must-do thoughts to the pure, bright, and radiant atmosphere of your magnificent presence here and now. May we be at rest from ourselves and from all things that weary us, releasing to Christ the sins that bind us and the stress points that fray us. And now in a quiet moment, help me, help us, to accept God's magnificent message into my heart. Amen. Our text from this morning is Paul's letter to his student, the one that he hoped would carry on a tradition. At the first service, we were introduced for clergy appreciation as ones that Reverend Nicole knew would come to love this church, that that was her hope that we would be sent pastors who love this church, and that's very much the case. And I think of Paul and his hopes for Timothy as his successor, that he sends him out to places like Ephesus and Corinth with the hope that he will love those people, not because of who Paul was, but because of the work of God in their story. And so at the beginning of his letter, he writes this. I thank Christ our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer, a persecutor and a violent man i was shown mercy because i acted in ignorance and unbelief the grace of our lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and the love that are in christ jesus here is a trustworthy saying and it deserves full acceptance christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am the worst But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of God for the people of God, thanks be to God. The thing I like about this passage to Timothy when he thinks about giving gratitude to his past is that Paul's past is an ugly thing. He knows it, and he owns that part of his story, that it's not something that he is proud of, but it is something he is proud of God for being able to redeem. His past is not his present. His past can inform his present. He can be a man of gratitude, he can be a man of patience, he can be a man of gentleness because he didn't used to be those things, and God has given him a new path. So his past is not his present. It all becomes a question of perspective, I think, for Paul and for us. Paul doesn't put on rose-colored Pollyanna glasses. He doesn't look back to a terrible time in his history and say, You know what? I wasn't that bad, was I? Surely those Christians had it coming. He doesn't look through rose-colored glasses. He sees his past as the Holy Spirit does. Not as something that defines him, but may very well equip him to live into the hope that God has. And then Paul writes to Timothy, here's a truth that you can hang your hat on. Believe it with assurance Jesus came to save sinners even me the worst of them now when I read that passage I don't look back to the story of Paul and say yeah you were really bad and oh Andy's a good boy and I'm so glad that he saved you because I don't have it no I I feel myself right there with Paul and maybe some days you do too realize that in the midst of our pursuit of doing everything right as a perfectionist, that we haven't accomplished everything that we thought we should in any given day. And even if we got all the work done, it might have come at the expense of a spouse or a partner or a friend or a broken relationship or a lack of self-care, not eating right, or not getting enough sleep, or maybe even just forgetting to brush your teeth. That at the end of it all, we find ourselves incomplete. And I look at the story much the way Paul does. Paul does. There's got to be a God who saves you because He settled for somebody like me. So let's talk about our pasts, our past. I know that there are some people in this room for whom their past is a weight to carry. Whether through life circumstance or life choice or life consequence, where you were is like a shackle. It's like Jacob Marley in Dickens' A Christmas Carol. You're just dragging the weights of who you've been and the the debts you've laid upon others and the terrible choices that you've made. Maybe it was a pattern of addiction or struggling with mental health or broken relationships or infidelity or whatever it is that you carry. Sometimes the past feels like a weight to the point where a shame about that past can be a crippling force in your life in the present and in your ability to live into God's future. My friend, he's a chiropractor, his name's Dr. John Tulevich, and he has this practice when he's counseling others. And I have a, a similar sense when I provide pastoral care that there are people who come to my office and say, Pastor Andy, if you want to know who I am today, you have to know all of the terrible things I've done in my past, or all the terrible things that were done to me in my past. That's the only way to understand who I am today in my present. When John does that, he'll have you stand up, and he'll have you pick up a chair. Just hold the chair and walk around with the chair, wondering, do I look like a chair-holding idiot right now? And the answer is yes. And there will come a point, whether you're strong, weak, bold and ambitious, intelligent, successful where your arms will get tired. The weight of the chair will be apparent to you. And your arms will start to shake a little bit. And you'll begin to ask yourself, when do I get to put this down? And John at his best, that's the time he'll go, you get to put it down soon. Just kind of lean on it a little bit. And John will say, your past and your struggles and your shame about them and your problems with them are yours to carry in the same way you're carrying that chair. So set the chair down. The relief comes immediately as the blood comes back into the arms. He said, you have the same opportunity to set down the weight you carry about your past, but you are telling me right now that you would rather suffer and hurt to carry the past as a crippling weight, then set it down and find some freedom from it. I know a lot of chair carriers. I know some of those chairs I still carry around. Set them down. Because when we wrestle with the me I used to be, it's very difficult to grow into the person that God would have you to be today and tomorrow. Now, more than half my life, I've been a pastor, 22 and a half of 45 years. But I'll tell you this, if you lined up my friends from Green Valley High School in southern Nevada, outside of Las Vegas, and you put them up here in the altar area at Valencia United Methodist Church, and you to a person walked down the row and said, is this the Andy you used to know, every one of them would say, no, no. They knew my vices, they knew my quibbles, they knew the problems I caused and I had, and they knew the frustration I had with my dad's work. Not a one of them in that day would have predicted that Andy would be where he is today, and I'm pretty sure that most of them, although from the conversations I've had, they're far more gracious than I probably give them credit for, would expect that of me today. But the me we used to be, is not the same as who God has called and equipped us to be today and moving into our future. That's what happens when the past is a weight to carry. What happens when the past is a pillar too high to climb? This ivory tower experience of what the past used to be. This was taken from the bottom of uh, uh, one of those brilliant uh, towers on Golden Gate Bridge up in San Francisco. You might recognize it. It's an awesome thing to stand there and look up at it and to realize the the human engineering that went into it and the creative forces and powers that bridge those islands together to allow them to connect over that bridge. It's humbling. It's humbling to think that there were people who not only assembled that but have stood upon it, especially when you're standing down at the bottom. A sense of the glory days in your past can set a bar that is too high. We do that in our individual lives. I wish I was the athlete I was in high school. I wish I hadn't ever let go of my talent or passion for, fill in the blank, for all that I've settled on in my adulthood. I wish this church was still as full as that picture that Pastor Andy put up. The glory days and living into a sense of where we used to be is far better than where we are can be as crippling as being ashamed of our past. Because it will not allow us to move forward into the hope and present that God has. Because the simple truth is that Paul doesn't use his past as a high bar to clear. He says, despite whatever happens in the past, God is using me now. And I am grateful for it. All of our past stories are always contextual. In fact, they happen to a different person in some ways at a different time. Because all of the experiences that you've had since your last glorious moment have prepared you for this day and what God might do for you in glorifying tomorrow. Our past can be interpreted in our present to help us define who we are. When I look at that beautiful picture of the robe of God filling the sanctuary on the 20th of December 1999, I see that as aspirational. The kind of church we'd like to be, I see it as inspirational. The kind of thing that gives church enthusiasm to say, yes, this is who we are. It calls us forward because it's a part of where we've been, not the metric stick by which we figure out if we matter or care now. That's what happens when the past is a pillar too high to climb. Sometimes the past is in fuzzy focus. When we look at it, it's like 45-year-old Andy trying to read the words on the page without his readers. It's just not altogether there. You give yourself a headache trying to figure out where things went wrong, what you did, who you were, but the past is fuzzy. It could be fuzzy because of consequence of choices. Maybe you have days or nights you don't remember. could be fuzzy due to life circumstance and a transition into age. Maybe you or a parent you have loved or a grandparent you have loved has lost past memories to the vicious cycle of dementia or Alzheimer's disease. To realize that those coveted stories of where they had been or who they were are being lost and misplaced to the ravages of time. Our stories are important, and when we have the chance to focus on where we are, it allows us to have a present that is informed and do some course setting for the future, and so when our past is fuzzy, and we don't quite remember what's going on, we lose some sense of ourselves. But that's not just an individual problem. It's a mutual thing as well. To remember the events of a common past is sometimes the kind of thing that leads to fantastic fights. In my families, it happens at reunions, usually camping, sitting around campfires and telling stories either with the the Maddox from my dad's side or the Yules in Colorado on my mom's side or especially the Garments by way of Texas. The Garments have great campfire stories, and the fun thing is, is that they have become so hyperbolic and involved that they can't possibly be true in the way that they are told, and yet they are. And the beautiful thing about corporate memory is that sometimes it's fuzzy. And we say, yeah, but I don't remember it that way. Someday, ask Camille and I to each tell you the story of the day we met. (laughs) They are not the same. Not by any means. So sometimes our memories get fuzzy because we look back at our common past or the past that we've experienced and brought to the table, and it doesn't line up with somebody else's version or somebody else's story. But the good thing is, is that hindsight has the power to allow God's story to be revealed in my life and in yours. Paul looks back at the fuzzy parts of his story that he is ashamed of, that he is not proud of, and realizes that they are an opportunity to shape him because his stories are important. So when we bring our stories together, it's an opportunity for my past and your past to become our past together. Now, it's only about 108 days long, but we do already have some our past, which is a beautiful thing. Powerful opportunities in worship and in community where relationships are being formed and new opportunities and new paths are being forged into what God will do As we look back at where we are, it allows us to say, yes, I bring this to the table and they are interwoven together in a way that says, yes, a God who was alive in 1998 and 1975 is alive today and tomorrow and the tomorrows we celebrate together. That hindsight that allows God's story to be revealed in ours is a means by which we can look back into our past, be it our individual past or our common past together and say, I see where God was at work. Maybe I didn't see it at the time, but boy, looking back on it, can I see it now? Here's the part. Tomorrow is my daughter's 20th birthday. I can remember the day she was born. I can remember early experiences when Maddie was just as tiny as the baby that showed up this morning. I remember the kinds of things that we celebrated at first steps and first words and first experiences. And while they inform the young lady that she's become today, they are not the fullness of her story. I can see places where God's been at work in Maddie's life. I see places where I've come up short. But I know that in my excitement for her birthday tomorrow, that our past is something that can be celebrated because we can see that God's grace is moving us into our future. Again, this is a truth we can hang our hats on, that Jesus came to save us sinners, even me, the worst of us. So to close, giving thanks for our past in this series of gratitude. The common past that you have as the people of Valencia United Methodist Church and the past that we're building today as we move into tomorrow. All of the stories shared this morning and the songs sung become a part of our common legacy and our past as soon as we sleep again and rise on the new day. We believe that God's mercies will beat us there. Reverend Nicole shared a great thing on Instagram and Facebook this morning. She handles a lot of our social media work, and she had access to some pictures that I had not seen, which were very exciting. Back from the 70s when this was all just kind of dirt pasture land, there was no hospital, there were no homes, there were no paseos to walk. There was just a white sign with black text that said, future home of Valencia Methodist Church. With a longing and a hope and an expectation, that would be met in the fellowship hall and the worship they had there in the building of this space dedicated in January of 1999 and made present and real even on the 23rd of October, 2022. There was a time when VUMC was not. Someday, God forbid, there may be a time when VUMC is not. But I can tell you that for today and tomorrow, With the effort that we make together, maybe, just maybe, there is the opportunity for these people to be informed by the gratitude for our past, living into a transformed grace that saves us all, that says we will share God's love, we will shine God's light, and we will show God's mercy to our neighbors and to the world, and BUMC is today. Thanks be to God for our past. Amen. Would you join me in a moment of prayer?